I imagine we'll learn more about this in the news at 7, but Ashley Legasic just dropping me an email to say that there's uh, an outbreak of COVID at the uh, Coburg Hospital, eight patients testing positive. I think we're going to, I mean, we're going to see this for a good long time. And it used to be sort of panic-inducing. Now it's just sort of, okay, problem here, problem there. Um, certainly people are talking about variations on COVID that are going to be um, affecting us in the coming months. And as we begin to move into closer quarters and move indoors and kids go back to school, then we're going to have COVID issues. I don't know that it's the same. I can't necessarily speak to this. You know, I'm not a public health official. My next guest is, so maybe I'll ask him. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it used to be panic-inducing, and we talk about this particular home is being locked down. I remember going to see Andy Barry at the long-term care residence that he's in. Andy Barry used to be here on News Talk 1010. As a matter of fact, he used to broadcast in Montreal as well. Then he was the morning man at the CBC. He always told me, because we became friends, that he retired from his show at the CBC when he got to the point where, because of Parkinson's disease, he couldn't express with his face the reaction he wanted to show when he was doing an interview. Whether he was intrigued, whether he was bored, he couldn't do that anymore. And he said, okay, I got to get out of here. And I went to see him and I had to go through two COVID tests and I had to sit for a half an hour before I could go and see Andy. And then at one point they ended up with a shutdown so nobody could visit anybody. I don't know that we're necessarily gonna get back to that point with COVID, but I think this is very much, as people like to say, the new normal. Let me bring my guest in. Dr. Mitch Shulman is our medical correspondent, also a public health official in Montreal, it's worth mentioning. Dr. Mitch, good to have you. Good to be here. Thank you. And have a great morning, I hope. Can we sort of just quickly leap from what I was just talking about? And what, what, do, you, what do you foresee this fall in terms of, you know, what, what's going to be happening on the COVID scene? So the good news is because many Canadians have either been infected or adequately vaccinated, we don't anticipate as miserable uh, a, a fall winter as we've had in the past, although there's data coming out from Statistics Canada that would seem to indicate that there is more COVID than we suspected, because what they do is they track excess deaths. They have models that predict how many people should be dying per month. I know it's kind of morbid first thing in the morning, and I apologize. Sure. And they've seen a dramatic increase, mainly since March of this year, in quote-unquote, unexpected excess deaths. And when they factor in narcotic deaths and other things, um, um, the wildfires, all those other things, there's still an excess, not as bad as at the start of the pandemic, but certainly enough to be concerning that they're still seeing. So COVID is still around, yes. Luckily, most of us have some degree of immunity, which will probably wane about six months after our last vaccine or after the last time we got sick, which is why NASI is recommending we get boosted with a new set of boosters, a different type of uh, mRNA vaccine based on what's actually circulating now. We get reboosted in the fall around the same time as our flu uh, campaign. But for now, you can expect that numbers will increase and this will be a fact, function of get-togethers. There have been all these social events and uh, sporting events and other things where people have been congregating across the province of Ontario, Toronto, and, and Montreal, and across the province of Quebec as well. So expect the numbers to go up. And then, as you said, in the fall, as the kids come back in, the weather uh, deteriorates, 
I think the schools have really dropped the ball here. Um, there was an opportunity over this past summer to really reinforce ventilation and improve it at school boards across everywhere. And I don't think their eye was still on that ball, and I'm not sure that they necessarily took advantage of that opportunity to actually maximize and improve ventilation as best as it could, which I think is going to be a problem that's going to haunt us for a while now. Let's talk about these uh, excess deaths that you referred to. And I'd also be very intrigued about your perspective on this because you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked at my text board, but I already know somebody's going to say, see, it's the vaccine. The vaccine is killing people. No, not at all. Good grief. No, uh, just the opposite. The only thing that's saving us from an overwhelming uh, tsunami of patients inundating the hospitals, the emergency rooms, and the intensive care units is the fact that almost 80% of Canadians, give or take, depending upon your population and your age group, it really does vary with age groups, um, review of blood samples has shown that most Canadians have some degree of immunity now. They didn't at the start. And and that's a function of hybrid immunity in many cases, people being properly vaccinated, which means two doses of the initial vaccine plus a booster and or getting COVID at some point and usually the Omicron variant. Uh, we saw a dramatic change in how bodies responded and were protected once Omicron became available. Um, there's more medical stories this morning would include uh, this idea that catching up on sleep doesn't actually make a difference in your cardio cardiovascular health. I certainly know, Dr. Mitch, a lot of people will think, okay, I went the whole week, I was sleep deprived, but I'm going to sleep on the weekend and everything's going to be great. I wish. Please do. Take advantage of whatever extra sleep you can get, but don't count on it to make up. And a beautiful study in the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine, what they basically did is they took healthy people, healthy guys, um, gave them two days to kind of sleep as they would normally get a feeling for what their normal baseline sleeping patterns were, then kept them up. So they only slept for five hours for three days in a row, then for two days, let them sleep in up to about 10 hours. And lo and behold, they found that even with those two days, like a weekend of sleeping in, as many people do, um, they still had problems with elevated blood pressure, elevated pulse. In other words, two days of sleeping in wasn't enough to reverse all of the harmful effects of sleep deprivation. And we know that. Um, it, think of it as jet lag. We tell people that if you're jet lagged, it takes a day to recover from each time zone at least, right? So one or two days isn't going to make up for three or four hours of missing sleep. And there's actually one study that showed that it took four days to recover from one hour of missed sleep. So yes, if you can sleep in, please do, but don't count on it to make up for a chronic sleep deprivation. That's something you're going to have to work on. I came across a story yesterday that I desperately wanted to talk to you about this morning, and that is the idea that microwaving baby food in con certain containers might release toxic particles. That sounds like concern trolling to me, but I'll, I'll, I'll lean on your knowledge. I don't know what it really means. It's in the Journal of Environmental Science and Technology. And what they basically took a look at was putting uh, different types of solutions, not really baby food itself, but things that mimicked baby food, and put it into poly polypropylene and polyethylene uh, containers for three minutes in the microwave. And lo and behold, yeah, they found an increased number of these micro particles of plastic in the 
fake solutions. Now, what does that mean? Well, I don't think it's a good thing. I have no science. We have no proof what these nanoparticles are actually doing to people's health. There, there's no consensus scientifically of what that means. But certainly, if it were me, that would make me want to use glass or something like that to heat up food in my microwave rather than plastic. And until we have better information, I think that, especially for little kids whose bodies are so susceptible to so many things and are growing, developing, I think it might be a reasonable precaution until we know more. Thanks a lot, Dr. Mitch. Good to have you this morning. Always a pleasure. Have a great day, and thank you. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman. He pops in on Wednesdays for White Coat Wednesday.